0: This is celebration day, all right? Just in case you forget about what this is, all right? This is the time when the body of Christ gets to come together. And sometimes we have some individuals come uh, who are maybe not usually uh, among us. There may be guests or maybe some people searching for truth and such. And so, but we ought to be a people who are celebrating what the Lord has done for us. And, and I'll tell you what, there ought to be a joy that's on our face. Our face ought to, ought to show, all right, what we have happening within our heart. Amen? How many's got happy hearts today? And look at your face, all right? Look at your neighbor and say, come on, I can tell it. It's all over you, amen? Amen. Take your scriptures, if you would, please. And uh, I'm excited about the word today. I'm excited because we're continuing on in this series uh, about how important it is to be second, all right? Go ahead and start that that, that, uh, um, slide, if you would, please. And it's important that we recognize in Matthew chapter 25, I want you to turn there with me. And as we talk about being second... Some people say, well, I thought we're, 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 uh, we're supposed to be first. It, hasn't God made us the head and not the tail? How many of you know if that's true? Yeah. All right. Well, when we're talking about being second, we're talking about he is first. All right. Others are first. Huh. Hello? Yeah, you know, and, and, and we'll get a little bit more. And, and it's important when we, we talk about that we are second. We're literally trusting God to take us from a place. All right. To where we could be second, but we could still be blessed. We could still be successful. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we started in this series and we talked about everybody has a story. Someone's got, who, who's had God that's done something miraculous in your life before? Give me a, a hand in the air, all right? Yeah, exactly. How many's ever had some struggles before? Oh, yeah, exactly. And then how many have have had to struggle even through some relationships before? You had any relationship issues before? Yeah, okay. You know, all of us have this common denominator of these things that that make up these ingredients that are our story. And, and And we talk about it in the form of history, all right, and it's his story or her story. And it's important to realize that your story, where you have come from and where God is taking you to, can be inspiration and encouragement to other people. The thing is, we've got to share it with other people. We've got to bring hope and encouragement to individuals and let them know that, that you know what, no matter what the forces of darkness are trying, that as long as you continue to put him first and you put yourself second, that you're going to hear this message, all right? And this is what we're going to talk about today. Say it with me. Well done, good and faithful servant. How many of you want to hear that at the end of it all? Yeah, you want to hear that? Exactly. And, and, And I want to hear it too. Here's what I'm not going to hear. Well done, my good and faithful pastor. I'm not going to hear, well done, my good and faithful bishop, or evangelist, or apostle, or preacher, or missionary, teacher, singer, or even worship leader, all right? But instead, servant. As we talk about this subject matter today of success, and and hopefully all of you who are part of our body are part of a life group, all right, and and you're going to be talking about success today and what it means to be successful, you're going to hear a story of someone who thought they were successful, thought that all the ingredients in life were coming together so that they could have the money they wanted, the notoriety, the fame and such, but when it was all said and done, they were still empty. Maybe you've heard stories like that before, all right? But I want to tell you, God's got a success story that he wants to write for you and about you. And, and uh, we're going to talk about that. But how many of you know that it needs to be lining up with the word of God? And so we're going to see where this particular subject matter, well done, good and faithful servant actually comes from in the scriptures. And, and we're going to apply it in our lives, all right? Now, first of all, I, want, I have a story with you. you know, there was a film crew that was on, the, on location deep in the desert out west, all right? One day, an elderly Native American who had been watching the film for several weeks went boldly up to the director and said this, Tomorrow, rain. That was all he said, tomorrow, rain. And sure enough, the next day it rained. A week later, the elderly man got up and he went up to the director once again and he said, Tomorrow, storm. And the next day, there was a horrendous hailstorm. The man is incredible, said the director. He told his assistant to hire him and have him predict the weather for the remainder of the shoot. However, after several successful predictions, he'd done it over and over again. All of a sudden, he quit showing up, and he was gone for some two weeks. Finally, the director sent his assistant to find him. She returned with the elderly man, and he said to the man, the director said to the man, I have a shoot tomorrow, and I have this big scene, and I'm depending on you. What will the weather be like? And the man shrugged his so- shoulders and says, don't know. He says, my radio's broken. <laughs> How many of you know that sometimes we give people credit for success when really it's not success because of their doing whatsoever, all right? All right. You know, success has to be measured by the right standard. You can't just take a look. Because someone looks to be successful, because they look to have money, because they look to be influential, doesn't make them to be a success. But certainly when we get to the end of it all and we hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant, it could be making a difference. Success is viewed different by different individuals, and it depends upon the perspective. Every follower of Jesus wants to be valuable to him, and, and we look forward to hearing him say that, that one day. So here's where the scripture verse comes from. It's Matthew chapter 25, verse 1, and the question I want you to have today is this. Am I successful? How will I know if I'm successful? Well, hopefully, we're going to give you the ingredients for that today, all right? His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness we're going to give a little backdrop of that particular scripture after we pray here father we thank you for today i thank you for every person that's here with us today i pray that they would understand that you have a plan for our lives you certainly didn't plan for us just to come here and occupy a geographical place on this earth you certainly didn't need us to just take up the air that you created or or just sit back and 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 enjoy all of the beauty that you created but lord you put us here on mission and you had a desire to have communion with all of mankind. And, and Lord, you, you've left us here, even after the fall of man, so that other people can be redeemed it can be brought into restoration with you. So Lord, thank you for letting the church be your hands and feet extended. I pray today that you'll help this word to make sense to us and find application within our lives so we can become everything you want us to be. In Jesus' name, let everybody who wants us say amen. So at the end of your life, you want to leave with the knowledge that you've done your very best to live a successful life. If that's right for you, say amen. Amen. All right. There are many definitions of success. Too many confuse fame with success. Madonna is one. Mother Teresa is another. Hopefully, I don't have to tell you which one is fame and which one is successful in that. Ralph Waldo Emerson, who was an American philosopher and writer, wrote this about success. To laugh often and much, to win respect of intelligent people and the affection of children, to earn the appreciation of honest critics and to endure the betrayal of false friends, to appreciate beauty, to find the best in others, to leave the world a bit better, whether by a healthy child, a garden patch, or a redeemed social condition, to know even one life has breathed easier because you have lived, this is to have succeeded. That's what Ralph Waldo Emerson says. Well, how many of you ever heard of Vince Lombardi? Okay, yeah, Green Bay Packer coach from the 60s and 70s. He said this. He said, winning is not, so, is not a sometime thing. It's an all-the-time thing. You don't win once in a while. You don't do things right once in a while. You do them right all the time. How many of you that, feel that that's a little challenging, right? That's just a little steep you know, measure there. Tim O'Brien, a news writer for the Tribune News Service back in 1997, he said this. He said, once you've defined success, list everything you need to do and everyone you need to meet to be successful. Be specific with your definition. Get down to the smallest details, and this will help you to begin to see and believe that your success on your terms can be real. I like that. Because we need to find out what our information or what our source is for our measure of success. And in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 and 20, we find this particular passage. And I said the backdrop of what we're going to be dealing with here today. It's important for us to understand this particular account. Now, before this particular account actually takes place, there is an issue that Jesus is dealing with. And it begins all the way at the beginning of, of chapter 24. And there's an occasion when he's having a conversation with his disciples, and, and he's telling them about the things that are going to come, the things that are going to happen. And they says, well, tell us, Lord, when these things are going to take place. And they're getting ready for it. They're getting ready for the end of time. And, and it appears as if they think it's really close, like it's right around the corner. When are all these things going to happen? He talks about the the temple stones being broken down and then being built back up and such. And, And then he goes through and he gives a number of different accounts or stories that would illustrate his point about what's going to happen or how we can know whether a person is going to be successful in the end of it all. And so this is one of the accounts that he gives about how to measure, how to know whether or not someone is successful. So we'll pick it up in verse number 14. He says this. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey. Now, this, this is again because he's already told a number of stories. All right, He's told about some, some uh, the, 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 um, the bridesmaids and the bridegroom and the ones with the oil. And now he says this is the particular story he's dealing with. It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. Now, he said, it's like, he's talking about the kingdom of heaven, he's talking about when the Lord is going to come back or when he's going to establish things again. So this is this like a man would be like God himself, all right, being the master and we his being his servants, all right. He says, the man who had received the five talents, went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. Pretty cool, huh? And, and um, oops, missed. Oh, I missed a verse there. Hang on, i am got to read that to you. Let's just slide. Hang on one moment. It's not there. Let's pick that up. I'll read it here for you. I want, I want you to get all that. Somehow I missed that. 25. Left off with verse number 17. How How'd I do that? How many's got to turn there? Turn there right now. You there? Or you're relying on me? so also the one with two bags of gold gained two more but the man who had received one bag went off dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money after a long time the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them and the man who received five bags of gold brought the other five master he said you entrusted me with five bags of gold see I have gained five more And this is when he replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things, but I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. We find the same account took place and happened with the person who had two. He took and he multiplied it and and it became something more. But the person who had one made an interesting comment. And, it, and it's interesting because he, he, he thought that he knew the master better than he knew the master at all. And so I want us to continue reading on in that passage. There we go. I'll get to the right page here. And he says this, verse 24. The man who received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. He made a determination and a deduction about the master. Remember, this is a story, this is an account that Jesus is giving to make an assimilation between God, or an analogy between God and mankind. And there was an attitude that was being formulated by this man, that he is a hard man, that that he's a hard master, that you have expectations even in areas where you haven't sown any seed. How many of you know there's a lot of people that have a wrong attitude when it comes to God? Yeah, they they formulated this idea that he is a slave Master, all right that he is a hard taskmaster that he has no sympathy that he has no regard for his his people at all but 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 that's not true and it's not true because it's not based upon the word of god now the enemy how many of you know that he comes and tries to twist the word of god he tries to change it there's little elements of truth that he uses but then he takes and twists it and he's a conniver and he deceives us all right now here's what the master says he sees right through to him verse 26 he says his master replied you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Let me summarize for you here from this point on. And he took the money, even the one, and he gave it back to, to the others. And he says, now you go ahead and take this. He says, those of you who have been given much, you're going to get more. Those of you who don't have anything, guess what? It's going to be taken from you. In other words, if you are not productive, if you are not successful, if you are not about the Father's business, guess what? You're not going to have anything left. You're not going to have anything to offer. And, you know, the the Bible says that it's important for us to realize that he says, you know what, there is a price to pay for wickedness. There's a price to pay for idleness. There's a price to pay. And, you know, if you're a guest here today, I'm not trying to scare anybody into anything. I don't believe it works. I I believe that we need to tell you about the truth. I believe that everybody here needs to understand that there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But you know what? I'm not going to try to scare anybody out of hell, all right? But instead, I want to share with you the, the characteristics and the attributes of a loving God who gives you everything that you have need of to be successful. Amen? I, I love it in Second Peter. He says, everything that you need for a life of godliness that he has given to you. Some people say, it's just so hard, I just can't do it. I just wish God would make my flesh obey, you know, and do the things that he wants me to do, you know. What they're really saying is, I wish he'd make us all into robots. And yet there's probably not a one of us here who likes to be told to do things over and over again without the willful decision within our own, within our own hearts, right? There's not a marriage here that will make it because someone is made to love the other person you understand what i'm saying you can't just get to the point and say well you know what i I, i'm gonna i don't love this person i'm gonna make myself love this person or 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 parents even here today if you're in this place today you know how important it is that when you hear from your child who utters those words for that very first time i love you mom and dad what it does to your in, inside. How many of you know what I'm talking about? When you heard those words, you can remember that. You're just like, oh my goodness. I know you don't really understand it all together, but just to hear the words come out of your mouth, it just fills my heart. And oh, for God to be able to hear that from His children who says, I love you, God. I love you not because I'm scared of going to hell but I love you because of what you've done for me. I love how you've set me free. I love how you've set me up to be successful. I love how you've caused me to be an influence and an encourager and a person who can make this world a better place. God has made us for so much more than just to be able to go to heaven, to escape the fires of hell. He has made and left us here so we can make a difference and take as many people with us as possible. And the day that we lose focus of that as a church, the day that we just kind of close our minds and our eyes to to what our purpose is, is a day when you start to fall off the edge. It's a day when you start developing within our minds. He's a harsh taskmaster. And if I don't do what he tells me to to do, I know that he's going to have me, expect me to do things that I didn't know that I could do or that I didn't think I could do. I didn't think that he gave me the right gifts. There's some people like that today. They look at other people's gifts and they say, I wish I had yours. Boy, if I had your boldness, boy, if I had your, the way, If I could pray the way that you prayed, if I could be as bold to witness the way that you witnessed, if I could draw the way that you could draw, if I could sing the way that you could sing, if I could speak the way, the if, 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 and if. Listen, the Lord has given every single one of us a gift. Look at your neighbor and say, you got a gift. <laughs> All you got to do is use your gift, amen. All you got to do is say, "You know what? Today is the day of my salvation. And my salvation brought to me his spirit who lives and rules within me and he's equipped me to do great things for him." And I don't serve a harsh taskmaster, ma- task taskmaster. I serve one who is lovingly working for my good at every single corner, amen. So here is now the scripture verse that I, I wanted to go ahead and to, to, to deviate a little bit or to illustrate here a little bit more about how and why I think success comes by uh, the, the, the word, all right? Am I successful? We find an account in John chapter 15 where Jesus is giving an account here, all right? He's talking once again, and he's teaching, and he says, he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit, While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You see any uh, correlation here between uh, Matthew chapter 25 and what's going on here? He says, you know what? The the people who don't produce will be cut off and be taken away from them. But the ones who do, verse number three says, you are already clean. Now look at this, because of the word. Say, because of the the word. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Now how important is it for us to know the word? How important is it for our young people to know the word, to get up here, and to be able to spit that out? And, you know, we say, well, they, they just they, they said it so fast, I'm not sure they ascertained it. You know, something that takes place be, when you become a student of the word. Now, I was going to put them on the spot and was going to begin to ask them some questions then, you know, from those particular passages that they just read. It's an amazing thing how God will cause for there to be a connection that starts to happen in the spirit man of you when you just commit yourself to memorizing the word. And Jesus recognizes it. He says, you are already clean because the word I've spoken to you. He says, now, and then he gives some more instructions. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself and must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Why is the church not being successful the way that it needs to be today? Maybe you're not of that thinking. Maybe you think that the church is getting done everything that it's supposed to get done. We're all just unified together. There's no particular problems. There's no detours or deviations, right? There's no problems with the church today. Big problems with the church today. Not, not, not just our church. It's, 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 it's in all churches. It's church worldwide. We can't even get on the same page on the essentials, many occasions. Churches are afraid to come together, even though they have the same banner underneath Jesus Christ, amen, who, who, who's, been, who's been crucified upon the cross, amen. He's been raised from the dead. He is the Son of God. And we don't want to assemble together. Listen, it is so important to assemble together. The Bible says that we must do it more often as we see the day of the Lord approaching. We must spur one another on. Now that again, that that's not just success. Just filling up this place, church, is not success. Just making this place full would not be success. I'm going to show you success, all right? what What God thinks success is when we get to the end of this message, all right? But I want you to see here. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Now how do we remain in him? I am the vine, or... If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. A disciple is a follower. A disciple is a, is a, a servant or a student who wants to study and listen to what the master has to say. Do you know what the master's saying to you today? He's saying, I've given you some talents. He's saying, I've given to you some resources. He's saying, I've given to you an ability to make a difference in the world in which you live. This world that is, in many ways, godless. This world, in many ways, what is post-Christian. This, way, this world, in many ways, that is just leaving me out of the equation. He says, but you don't have to leave me out. When you start to rely upon me and trust in me, and you start to do things my way, you remain in me, and my words remain in me. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. That's kind of scary, too. <laughs> How many of you know that there's some people out there asking for some things, and you can get a little nervous, right? <laughs> he says, but this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. I want you to know something. It's so important for you to realize that God is wanting to measure things, amen? He's wanting you to be able to recognize that, that, that there is great things that you can do when you start to allow for yourself to come into close proximity to him, all right? Here's here's what I want you to understand, this. He says, God defines success as fruitfulness. He doesn't designate you successful just because you do a task. He designates you successful if you have fruit. Fruit? Reproducing if there's some reproducing that's taking place in your life. For too long, so many people, or too many other people, have, s- have left that up to the responsibility of other individuals whom have the gift of reproducing. Some people have considered themselves old and barren, not able to produce anymore, not able to reproduce. You know what I'm saying? Listen, God doesn't, he, he showed us how, what he thinks about age, right? when he could take a 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman and he could cause for them to have a child, right? You know what I'm talking about? You might say, Pastor, that's in a physical sense. Is that in a spiritual sense? Yes. You see, he caused for, for Moses and he caused for, for Noah. He looked at those old people. He calls for Caleb who, who was in his 80s and says, you know what, I'm going to give you strength and I'm going to cause for you to be able to do more in your latter days than you ever did in your beginning. God's got a lot of things for us to do as a church. He wants us to work together, but he defines success as fruitfulness. And so, am I successful? A question I have to answer is this. Do I have fruit coming out of my life? Because if I'm remaining in him and him remaining in me, I should be able to have some fruit that's coming forth. Now, he already said, I am clean because of his word. Maybe a problem on the equation of me being fruitful is that I don't have enough of his word in my heart. I don't know. I'm just. I'm just. I'm trying to think, Amen. I'm trying to think why the church would not be as fruitful as what we need to be in these last days. There's a second thing. This he says a fruitful life requires pruning. How many of you know what pruning is? I mean, you've been part of the. Uh, I, I, I grew up and my grandfather had this apple orchard. All right, and uh, we, we. I loved the apple orchard except when I had to mow it. <laughs> it was before the days of riding lawnmowers. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Anybody ever had to have a push mower before that was non-self propelled and all that kind? Of, yeah, you know, a couple acres. Yeah, I'd start in the beginning of the week in the summertime and I'd get done at the end of the week. I'd put time in every single day, all right, to mow that mow, mow that lawn, and uh, it was a it, it was a, it was a joy. Also, we played baseball out in the apple orchard, all right, and those 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 apple trees though had these things that happened to them from time to time. There were branches that would go off and, and there'd be some fruit that was there, but then there was these other branches that would come off and, and they'd just be shooting all over the place. Does anyone know what those things are called? Suckers. They were suckers. Why would they be called suckers? Because they're literally sucking the nutrients out of the tree that the tree has to be able to give to the fruit so there'd be more fruit. Good fruit. Good fruit. And as long as we let those sucklings on there, those suckers on there, you got to cut the suckers off, all right? You have to find a way. He says you, you have to cut those things off so that all the nutrients, all of the sap could go into the fruit, and you could have better fruit. Now, you're thinking right now, all right, where's he going with this? Am I about to get cut off? See, in Jesus' analogy in, in uh, John chapter 15, he says, what is cut off is the useless part. They burn it. They make a wreath out of it. <laughs> I don't know what they do with it. I mean, But when, when they prune it, it's the only way for God to cause for the fruit to be of more value is to cut it out. I suggest to you today that you need to get ready to be pruned by Jesus. Amen? but hopefully you have some fruit on the end of your branch and you're just not a sucker, all right? You're just not sucking the nutrients out. You might say, well, well, Pastor, how how do I know if I am? Well, listen, the word of God has been given to you to make you clean already. The word of God has been sown into you and the word of God is a seed and where the seed is sown, it will bring forth fruit, amen? Now, the object is what you need to say, but how do I get to the point to become a fruit bearer and you need to recognize you got to allow for the other things that are not producing fruit in your life to be cut away the problem is is that we have more of a like for those things that are suckers in our lives those things that are distractors those things that are that are detours those things that need to be cut off because it is a disease amen How many of you know that sometimes disease is, is present within bodies and we're unaware that it's there? And, it, and long, allowed to go on for a long period of time, it does a lot of damage. But the sooner you figure out where the disease is and you cut it out, the sooner the restoration can come to that particular part of the tree or of the fruit or the branch, whatever it is. You see, branches with, with fruit get pruned so they will produce more fruit. And sometimes there's some things that God's cutting out of our lives. He's trying to take some things away, and we're just like, God, that's painful. I like that television show. I like conversation with that particular person. I, I, I'm, I, I don't want to be a clothesline preacher. But how many of you know? You know, anyone know what a clothesline preacher, preacher is? Right, that's one. I got to go and peg, peg out, and pick out everything that you're doing wrong in your life. I don't think that's my job. I think that's the Holy Spirit's job. But I think you have the job of asking yourself, am I successful? Am I a fruit bearer? And the test of that is if there are other people who are wanting to be followers of Jesus after they look at my life. And if I'm involved in the affairs of this world, if I'm involved in things that's happening in this world, and I'm not producing fruit, if other people are not wanting to become like me, is that pressure filled? yeah it is because god's counting on you he has given you what did we say gifts he's given you talents and he's expecting for you to be producing in these things and so when you prune you're doing two things you're removing the disease parts you're remo- removing the blight the in the fungus you could spray things but many times that doesn't work you got to go ahead and cut it out and he wants to prune the sin out of our lives he wants us to you know, to, to get rid of everything that is causing for us to be rebellious. Everything that's causing for us to have a poor attitude. Anything that is consuming our lives because of the pride, the energy that's just being sapped out of us. we got to get rid of it. I've said this before in support for us to realize that, you know, many times there's things around us that in themselves are not bad. How many you know that a computer is not bad? All right. Computers are are absolutely awesome today. All right, when they work. <laughs> I mean, if a computer that didn't work, you want to throw it, or you did throw it, or you threw it, yeah, you, you, whatever you know. And uh, but but you know, but evil things can also be done with a computer. Nothing wrong with Facebook, right? Nothing wrong with Snapchat or nothing wrong with, uh, you know, uh, Twitter and all, all those other types of social media things. But, but how many of you know that some people's lives are consumed and it becomes wrong when they, when they are not using it in the right manner or way? I, 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 I've heard people say, and i said this before, you know, with regards to, you know, Facebook, well, well I just feel it's, it's my place to be able to vent. It's my place to be able to, you know, really say, I mean, it's my feed. If people don't want to see what I have to vent, then I'm just going to unfriend them. How many of you know that everything you feel isn't always good to let come out of your mouth? I mean, if you didn't know that, I'm going to give you some truth today, all right? But everything that you feel, everything you think. But it says, instead, we should think on things that are pure, things that are holy, things that are true. Look at Philippians 4, 7, and 8, all right? I call it a visor. Think on things that are of good report. And when you do that, I suggest to you that more fruit's going to be coming out of your life. More people are going to want to be like you than they are like all of the, those pessimistic individuals that can't see anything good, amen? I want you to see this. Here's what the scripture says. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11 says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. I had to come to a realization when I was a young person that not every pretty girl that I saw that walked by. Was going to be good for me. Amen. Hello. I'm speaking to the young men that are here. All right. I mean, God has a plan for your life. You ladies, you need to understand something. If you're going through and just trying to find somebody. All right. That will show you a little bit of attention. Somebody who will speak to you sweet nothings, make you feel a little bit built up, but they don't have the character of a godly man, young ladies, you need to run. The devil wants to sway you into a relationship and cause for you to, to, to lose focus, All right. Now, that can happen in a, in a romantic way, but it can also happen in a spiritual way. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You could find yourself wanting to have a relationship with people who are not going to be beneficial to helping you grow in the Lord. And sometimes you've got to get away from them for a while. And it doesn't seem pleasant at the time, but it will produce a harvest of righteousness in you, all right? Deuteronomy chapter 6 says this. They, these are the commands, decrees, and laws of the Lord. Your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the, the Jordan to possess, all right? He wants you to go forward and be successful. So that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. How many of you think that that sounds like success? Now, I've lived a long life. That I have caused for other people, my children, my children's children, to become lovers of God, Amen. Moving into the Promised Land, experiencing the, the the milk flowing with, you know, right? I mean, the land flowing with milk and honey. You know what I'm talking about? He says this happens by you listening to these commands by you applying these things i mean the psalmist says in one nineteen eleven, he says i have hid your word in my heart that i might not sin against you doesn't that sound a whole lot like this john chapter 15 3 you see old testament new testament mixed together you have already been pruned for greater fruitfulness by the message i have given you because the word of god is sown into your heart now, I don't have these last few scriptures, and I want our praise team to come on up here, if they would. I don't have them on the screen, because I wanted you to just just listen to them, all right? And and I wanted you to see what actually takes place following when he talks about th- th- this passage, when he says he took from the one, you know, the, the, the one who thought that he was a hard taskmaster, and, and, and there's, this, there's a, another conversation that goes on. He says, and it will be in the last days that, that the king, God Almighty, will come and he will judge. How many you know he's going to judge? And He's going to have the, the sheep on one side and the goats on another. The ones on the right are the sheep, the ones on the left are the goats. And he says, and I want you to understand something. The sheep is, is representative of those who are righteous, all right? And we're reading it, he says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, you can find this in verse 31, if you're taking notes, writing that down, all right? Chapter 25, verse 31 of Matthew. They'll all be gathered before him. And verse 34 says, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry. I, I, I want to be a life application preacher. It's one of the things, if I, can, if I can take joy in anything, I want people to know how to take the word of God and apply it in your life. Not just so that you have knowledge, but so that we as a church can have application. Because I think that's where fruit's going to happen for us. So we, I want to just summarize for you, if I can. We see here that God has created us to be successful. You've heard today how we, he, it, it, important it is for us to be pruned so we can produce more fruit. I'm going to go right back to that particular passage now, and he's going to show to us what he understands is fruitfulness. And I want you to see how clueless sometimes that we are actually, that we actually are when we're actually doing what God would have us to do. But it's not because we can do it in our own strength, but it's because of the Word of God within us. It's because we've remained in him and he in us. Now, listen to what happens here. He says. Take your inheritance, verse 34, the kingdom prepared for you since creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. you got to get a picture of this. The question that the disciples ask... Tell us when the, the temple's coming down. Tell us when you're going to build it back up. Jesus comes and he, he starts to talk about all the attitude and the mindset that people need to have, how they can be ready for him. And the, and the and this this um, mindset of being ready means you'll be in a mindset of fruitfulness. You'll be bearing fruit. And then he goes on and says, oh, no, by the way, let me show you what's going to happen. And those who have been fruitful, the people who have taken care of these needs of these people? You might say, Pastor, that don't sound too spiritual. Pastor, that 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 sounds, you know, pretty pretty world like. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And you know what the response of even the people who did this was? They said this, the righteous answered him and said, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? They didn't even realize that they were doing it. But there was an equation that happened for them, the sheep versus the goats. And that is that the word of God got in them. Do you know who the word is? jesus jesus is the word and he got into them and the very things that he was doing when he was walking upon the face of the earth is the very things that he's rewarding his people for and declaring them successful in and he says when you get your word in me in you these are the things that take place and He they asked the question when do we do this and he said this Lord, when do we do it? When do we see a stranger in a you and eating clothes? Verse number 39. When do we see you sick or in prison? And the king says, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Central Assembly of God is in a place in history to where we're going to have an opportunity to reach outside of ourselves, to prune away anything and everything that is distracting us and detouring us from the mission that we have. He's asking us this question: Am I a success? If I'm a success, I need to measure myself according to the things that God is concerned about. You could continue reading, and and you could see where the the people who, who you know, were, we're represented as, as far as the goats, they so says, well, what about us? You know, and, and he says, you didn't recognize me. You saw those strangers. You saw those people as, who were in need as inconvenient. It stopped you from maybe living life, and, 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 and you know, you're more consumed with the things of this world. And they wanted to blame. They, they wanted to look at him and say, but, but, but he wanted to call him a wicked taskmaster, really. And call him unfair. But the fact of the matter is, God has poured his same spirit in all of us and given us an, each an opportunity to respond to him. And he wants us to respond in some very practical ways today. He wants us to be more concerned about others than we are about ourselves. He wants us to have this attitude about being second and trusting him to take care of all of our needs. Now, the enemy would tell you that you've got to watch out for yourself. He would tell you that you need to take those gifts that, that God has given to you and you know, and, and you need to save a little bit for yourself. A little bit of resources. I'm not just talking about money here, church. I'm talking about our lives. But he says if you will offer yourselves if you will lay yourself down, your own life, he says, I'm gonna cause for you to be more full of life. I want to give you more fruit. You're gonna bear more fruit. You start to cut off the things of this world, and all of a sudden, I'm gonna declare you as the fruitiest people that has ever walked upon the face of the earth. Amen. I don't know about you. But I want my fruitfulness and my success as a man of God to depend upon my closeness with him I want to remain in him and in him in me the only way in which I can do that is to become a student of his word the only way that you will ever be able to become the sheep that Jesus talks about that he rewards is not because you're just all of a sudden going to wake up one day and say I think I'm going to do some good deeds because he says this your righteousness is like filthy rags But when motivated by the Spirit, He drops within our hearts ways that we can start to reach out and start to touch people, start to minister to them and meet them right where they're at. Start to not be so concerned about our needs and and what we have left over, not so concerned about our inheritance and recognize, listen, the greatest inheritance that we can have is when we face Him, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and He says, well done, you good and faithful servant and you're just like okay lord and some of us will look and will say when did we do that because it will be effortless it'll be effortless for us because guess what we don't even realize sometimes the sacrifices that are being made the things that are a pain for other people because they're looking at what they lost guess what you won't consider it loss you consider a gain when you lose for christ those things and you become second and you say lord take over all of a sudden there's going to be this filling up within you there's going to be this joy unspeakable full of glory and you're, you're going to be like oh my goodness how awesome it is to be able to be doing this and, and you really look back at your life and say when did I do this and God will have to bring it back to your mind the times when you put yourself second and you put others first you're like wow that did happen didn't it and you're not even gonna be able to take credit for it. It's gonna be because the Word of God was in you. You read the Word of God. You spoke about the Word of God. You sang about the Word of God. Everything you did was about the Word of God. You leaned into His presence. And He changed you, He transformed you. And it became a joy. How many of you wanna do that? How many wanna live? You know what? There's problems, there's struggles in the world in which we live. But guess what? He's looking at you and saying, it doesn't have to be as much of a struggle as what you think. If you just put a smile on your face, you throw your hands up in the air, and you say, oh, God Almighty, the King of kings and Lord of lords, I lean into you. Will you close your eyes with me right now? Heavenly Father, we come to you in this moment. God, and we ask you by the power of your spirit, to truly help us to evaluate ourselves. And we may be wondering why we're not as fruitful as what we need to be. It may be as simple as we're not into the word, we're not into you, we're not allowing for your presence to saturate us and and, and, and cause for us to be as effective as, as we could be. Lord, we recognize many times and we're walking according to the flesh rather than the spirit because anxiety starts to show up. Worry starts to be there. But when we put you first, all that stuff starts to dissipate. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you'd help this church to so so desire to lean into you, to so desire your presence We'll find everything that is a distraction, everything that's sucking the life out of us, and we cut it off. We let it be pruned out of our lives so we could truly become successful in your eyes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, I ask in these next few moments, you start to show people in this room, because God, I'm, I'm sure we can be more effective and productive. You start to show your your, your children, the things that have become sucklings and sucking things out of our lives, diseases that need to be cut away. Right now, I pray in Jesus' name, we become more concerned with the things of this world than we are with you. God, I pray right now that there be a a come-to-Jesus moment (laughs) for everybody here, everybody bowing your heads and closing your eyes right now. By the power of your Holy Spirit, reveal things, specific things. There are distractions for you right now in Jesus' name. Every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here today and you say, there are some distractions the Holy Spirit's bringing to my mind right now, and I'm asking him to cut them out right now. Lift up your hands right now in this place. Come on, whatever distractions, whatever concerns. Sometimes it's good things. Sometimes you have family and you love them so much you can't think of anything else but just providing for the family. And God's saying, you know what? You're worried about family. And that worry is a distraction. That worry is a detour. Come on, pick them up put them down. Pick them up and put them down. If you haven't raised your hand, but you know what? He's bringing something in your mind right now all across this this sanctuary right now. Individuals are getting real with Jesus. Amen? Put them down if you would. That's good. If you're here today and you need to come into relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, he desires to fill you up. And you're here today and you say, I need to get a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm asking him to come the Lord and Savior of my life. Is that you today? You say, I'm gonna lift up my hand right now. That's me. I need to get right with God. Anybody here today needs to make a rededication or dedicate for the very first time to the Lord? Where are you at today? Who is anyone, anyone here today? Amen.